Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And our third man is not in a booth, but he is actually off this week. He's off specifically. Should we blow up his spot a little bit? I mean, tell people where where he is. He'll love it if we do. Yes, he always loves it when we talk about his personal details right at the top of the show. He got a bad case of poison ivy, yes. and it's been getting steadily worse over the course of the week, and he went to the doctor today. It's fucked up. I will say, like, as yeah. much as I want to make fun of him, and there's a real mm-hmm. Batman villain uh, corollary we could jump into there. Sure. But poison ivy is not something to fuck with. That <laughs> shit is serious, and it will get all over you. Yeah. It's... Uh... I I haven't had poison ivy since I was a kid, I think. So in my mind, it's sort of associated with, like, that's a child's thing that happens. But it isn't. Wow. You grew up in the in the suburbs, though. So us yes. country folk face constant battles with uh, nature. And it mm-hmm. seems like poison ivy got the best of our man, Pete. Man, he's fallen in love. That's the positive part. The negative part is he's going to the doctor tonight, so we hope he's okay. Yeah. Uh, but he shouldn't, have is, eaten, he shouldn't have eaten so much of it. <laughs> you know what? Uh, probably the thing was he was mixing it up and making it uh, so he was... Uh, Sucking on a cheesesteak. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little awkward, but I got there. Uh, no, I, you got there. Okay. Uh, the cheesesteaks famously don't have any sort of nutritional value. I believe. Sometimes there's a little uh, broccoli rub on them. Oh, nice. so maybe you can put some poison ivy instead. Get that high class cheesesteak out of here, Alex. <laughs> your broccoli rub filet mignon cheesesteak from uh, your the top floor of your with penthouse a, with a nice a nice melted gouda. Yeah, and it's not even a, che- and a lovely poison ivy pesto <laughs> to seal the deal. Uh, now, folks, we have two amazing guests for you on the show tonight that we'll introduce shortly. But first, it is the time of the month when we thank our wonderful Patreon supporters. Yeah. Uh, this is everybody's favorite recurring feature on the show mm. um, because it's uh, never awkward. It's always very smooth. But uh, yeah. there are people who uh, pledge our Patreon and at a certain level, uh, we thank them here on the show because yeah. they're amazing and they help us keep us going because it costs us a little money. But... We do it for free. So there you go. I haven't said that in a while. Well, it's nice. Get out the old faves. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if when we do this, it goes more smoothly or less smoothly without um, (laughs) our personal poison ivy present. 
Yes, exactly. So here we go. First of all, we want to thank Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Tillman. Benjamin Brown. Brett Macris. Chris Terlizzi. Clemens Luer. Corbin Durbin Dubudel. Oh, busted. Curtis LaRock. <laughs> Demand Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Morphesis. Daniel Warden. Danny Heck. Danny Ali. Dennis Scott. Dustin Ribney. Uh, Dylan Lamb Johnson. Eduardo Martinez. Aaron Dorian. Jeffrey Reicher. Uh, Gerard de Villiers. James Connolly. James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. Jason Williams. Joe Crack. John George. Jonathan Jong. Joseph Kelly. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxson. Catherine Aninson. Uh, Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Cody Thomas. Lee Brown. Lewana Thomas. Luke Asink. Mark Carrillo. Mark Zeller. Megan Thigpen. Mike Dargenio. Mitchell McDonald. Nadia C. Nick Grayson. Building Tension. Obvious Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pedro A. Rachel. Perry Taliaferro. Pete's Punisher Slippers. Pit Pete 2020. Primetime Apology. Repeat too early. <laughs> Rodian Sestrawardio. Red Mikey. We got another gear, Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. Tabella Rash. The 12 Bench. Victor Perez. W. Blaine. Will Buchanan. Zika's Viral Comics. And thank you so much. And thank you to all the dogs who listen to our show. The only people that could actually hear all of those names. All the dogs out there. Woo! This goes out to all the dogs of the world. Thank you, everybody, for supporting our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. We appreciate it for all of you who don't do that, but sat through all those names. We appreciate you as well. Just, you know, not as much. Uh, all right, let's, <laughs> let's bring in our first guest. I'm taking a little bit of a risk here. I think this is David Pipo's, uh, our guest. It says on my little thing, user... 7D00CC4. Is this David? Yeah. Hi. Hey. Nice. Hello. Thank Hello. you guys so much for having me. I was trying to fix my name, and uh, <laughs> no, it, it's, it's, that's, my, that's my robot name now. I there love it. Go. User 7D, let's get into your robot work. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite hexadecimal code? That's the main thing that we want to do. Oh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's all sixes. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being here on the show. Uh, oh, you pleasure. have a new comic called The OZ which is like a post-apocalyptic Oz comic book. Uh, you did it with an artist named Ruben Rojas. It is in our current trend of having people on the show with Kickstarters who are already very successful with their Kickstarter <laughs> and don't need our help at all. Exactly. Uh, you don't want people in the winner's circle. Exactly. Take, we'll, we don't we'll want take, any of those. We'll take whatever we can get. Yes. Uh, tell us about the book. I mean, I know I described sort of like the very simple elevator pitch line, sure. but uh, talk about it. Pitch folks on it. What should people be checking out? Yeah. So the OZ is like, what if Mad Max and the Hurt Locker took place in the Wizard of Oz? We've reimagined Dorothy Gale killing the Wicked Witch of the West as something like a botched regime change. And so when she clicks her heels together and goes back home to Kansas, she's inadvertently left Oz in a power vacuum that leads to years of brutal civil war. So our story picks up a generation later with Dorothy's granddaughter and namesake, who's a disillusioned Iraq war veteran who's come back home to Kansas to really kind of put the pieces of her life back together. Unfortunately, a tornado strikes and our new Dorothy Mm -hmm. finds herself stranded in the war torn land of Oz. So she's going to have to confront her past and her grandmother's former friends. If she hopes to survive the occupied zone or as the locals call it, the OZ. 
Yeah. Oh, man, you have that pitch down. I am very <laughs> impressed. Or exactly. we're reading it. One of the two. Uh, <laughs> you know, I say it every night before I go to bed. So now I've got uh, plenty of practice <laughs> on this one. Right. It's like your Aria's list, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll be, I'll be singing at a karaoke. Uh, Much more functional. Where you, yeah. where you see your time. Uh, so how much this is, this is my main reference point for something like this is return to Oz, which like completely freaked me out as a kid. Is Mm -hmm. that something that you looked at were inspired by at all? It's, it's definitely in our DNA for sure. Um, you know, kind of that dark remix of the Oz mythos. Um, you can't talk about that without talking about return to Oz. For me, the, the real needle that we've had to thread is, you know, there's the popular consciousness of Oz. It's the Judy Garland film. Everybody knows it. Uh, at the same time, um, there, there's 20 novels that L. Frank Baum wrote yeah. from The Wizard of Oz. And the funny thing is, everything in those novels is considered public domain. But anything invented specifically for the Judy Garland film is not. So you can't use uh, Ruby Slippers, for example. Uh, you have uh-huh. to use Silver. Uh, because Ruby was an invention for Technicolor. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's really kind of walking that balance beam of what is considered universal that everybody knows, but what are the Easter eggs that we can take from the greater Oz mythos? So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, particularly Jack Pumpkinhead, uh, he was my mm-hmm. favorite character in Return to Oz. I love that design. He plays a, a, a pretty important role as our series moves on. He shows up only briefly in our first issue, which is on Kickstarter now, but we'll be doing two more campaigns to wrap up our series. And uh, he plays a much bigger role uh, in issues two and three. Um, mm-hmm. I should say all of our comics on Kickstarter, they're all double-sized. Um, we, I had written nice. this initially as six standard-sized issues before realizing they paired together really nicely. And so, yeah, uh, by the time that all of our Kickstarters are done, you're going to be getting uh, 140 pages worth of fantasy oh, wow. action story. Well, that's uh, awesome. That we're very excited about. Now, L. Well, Frank Baum is from a couple towns over from me, Chittenango in upstate New York. Oh, and, uh, yeah, fancy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in this shit. Um, and that, uh, it always got me the story where he just looked down at his file cabinet and it was like it's called oz so mm-hmm. i want to know what uh what shit in your room did you look around and be like that's what it's <laughs> called you know what it's so funny you say that because that's kind of exactly how it went down yes. um, <laughs> i you know for those who haven't read any of my previous works my first book was a book called spencer and walk which was yes. what if calvin and hobbes grew up in sin city now mm-hmm. that's a book that people really liked but while i was making it i had no idea if people were going to like it at all i thought i might get run out of the industry so i had to wait for that book to come out and make sure the dust had settled and realized okay <laughs> it's safe to come back out yeah and um afterwards i'd come up with a few ideas um but something i really wanted to do besides tackle more crime books was i wanted to take a big swing sci-fi is a lot harder for me than fantasy i've written a few sci-fi books since then but you kind of have to come up with the rules of the world and then the characters have to navigate them whereas uh fantasy it can be the exact opposite sort of the magic and the rules of the world can really warp around your character and the metaphors and the themes you're exploring so i had written down on a google doc it's almost like a vision board or a mood board where i said okay what are some fantasy books that i grew up with that i could maybe look to for inspiration so I wrote down things like Lord of the Rings or Lloyd Alexander, or Piers Anthony, uh, Harry Potter, and I wrote down The Wizard of Oz. And just like you said, I, I saw the cursor flashing on the word Oz, and I was like, you know, that word, it's so short, but it's so iconic. What if it was an acronym for something? Mm-hmm. And I thought of like DMZ, and I thought, oh, it's the Occupied Zone. And that's <laughs> when it like hit me like a lightning bolt that I wasn't just telling a fantasy book, but it was a war story, too. And uh, Ruben Rojas, our artist for the book, really channeled that image just eerily well of 
Dorothy being recast as this haunted soldier staring at us and the Tin Man standing behind her as this kind of hulking, rebuilt, towering war machine freedom fighter. And I was like, yeah, that's a story that I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just I, I had to write it. That's awesome. So you've got, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the first Kickstarter here, you mentioned multiple Kickstarters. Yeah. So you have the first Kickstarter here is the first yep. 44 pages, the first yep. issue. So at this point, you're already planning on two more Kickstarters, right? Yes. yes. So we'll be uh, doing our second one. Our, our projection is February, and then we'll probably be doing the third and final one uh, probably in June of 2021. So you're um, looking at this as kind of like a distribution method, basically. Like yeah. This is you know, your publisher. Yeah, uh, you know, the great thing about Kickstarter and really the reason why I did Kickstarter in the first place, because, I, you know, I've worked with publishers, uh, you know, my, my previous three books came through Action Lab Entertainment. Um, but, you know, the thing that really kind of pushed me over the edge uh, was I'm friends with people like Charlie Stickney, the creator of White Ash. My friend Rylan Grant just wrapped his Kickstarter up uh, for a book called The Jump. Russell Nahelty is doing a Kickstarter right now called Ichabod Jones. And they all really have been press ganging me for the better part of a year saying you should really do Kickstarter. And the thing that, that made me realize I needed to was Charlie sat me down. And he goes, you know, some people buy their books primarily in comic shops and some buy them primarily on Amazon or Comixology and some primarily buy them at cons, uh, which I had had a lot of success at before the pandemic. There are a lot of people who buy their books primarily on Kickstarter. And I realized there was a whole demographic of readers that I had done no outreach for. And so I had said, you know, I really want to introduce myself to the Kickstarter community with my absolute A game. And really, you know, meanwhile, publishers, and as I'm sure you guys know, they can be chaotic in the best of times uh, when it comes to their acquisitions pipeline. People can be really excited and then a crisis hits or something takes up their time. And then you sort of start the conversation over from square one. And I had a few of those with this book uh, where it was sort of like Groundhog Day, where there were publishers who were like, yeah, we really want to do this. And then the conversation would peter and then we'd start the conversation up again. And when uh, <laughs> perfect, yeah. And when Diamond had its temporary shutdown, I realized, oh, we could just solve one problem with another. Why are we waiting as creators for permission when we could give the OZ a home and introduce ourselves to the Kickstarter community with our absolute A game? And just seeing kind of the wild response to the OZ, we're closing in on a thousand readers uh, uh, right now. Uh, we're over six hundred percent funded. Um, it feels like a leap of faith rewarded. Well, so talk about that a little bit. So you yeah. have, uh, I, I mostly looked at the content of the comic book. Honestly, I didn't necessarily look down at the rewards or anything like sure. that, but uh, you have blasted past your goal. Yes. So <laughs> what what are you planning on using that for? Is that going towards yeah. the production of the next two issues or what's the plan there? It's a great question. And that's honestly something that has been sort of the roller coaster ride for me. You know, when I started this Kickstarter, everybody said, go conservatively. You've never done a Kickstarter before. Nobody tells you what it's like to get funded in two hours. Um, it's like stepping up <laughs> for a sandwich and like winding up in the moon. Like you, you can't plan for that level of overshoot. So for me, it's exactly like you said, Alex, it's trying to sort of uh, in, keep in, enhancing value for the book and keep finding new things, uh, new reasons to bring in more people. Because, yeah, the, the money that we get is going towards the next two issues. Uh, I promise I'm not getting rich off this. Uh, when you're doing 140 pages, plus covers, plus printing, plus shipping, that goes real quick. Um, uh, you got the fancy headphones with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I borrowed these, like so I can't even say money the out there. There's money mm-hmm. out on the table here. You clearly got some <laughs> art behind you. Behind yeah, you know, uh, look at me. I got wood. <laughs> I don't have a 600% funded Kickstarter. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you know, the, the, the fun thing about, about this Kickstarter, so we've, we've done things, we've, uh, we've added pinups to the mix. Uh, we've got people like Alex Cipriano, Joe Mulvey's got a really cool one in the mix. Uh, we just teased that uh, earlier today on my Twitter page. Uh, we are uh, working with our printer comic impressions for some enhanced covers. Uh, right now we're talking about we'll probably be doing something with raised UV, but we're trying to see if there's a metallic option that we can offer as well. Um, and yeah, and then sort of adding in more uh, to, to the rest of the book. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that, that, that we can be adding for this. Uh, we commissioned a theme song, for example, for the series that all of our backers Ooh. are going to be receiving uh, called Heart of Tin, uh, which is up on YouTube right now. My friend George Marston and uh, his sister's band Bad Death produced it kind of this haunting kansas ballad that really paints uh, this stark picture of of land and oh, that's awesome it's I super cool uh you know and uh, yeah we've got all sorts of cool stuff we uh we've got a, a print from kira okamoto uh they did a terrific yellow brick road warrior print uh we've got uh winged monkey squadron stickers for all fiscal backers we are uh, mm. uh, uh approaching quickly our stretch goal for uh, enamel pins uh, mm. uh adding them as an add-on our death from above winged monkey uh, enamel pins and uh yeah and the thing is uh you know to touch upon your point like i said the reason i did kickstarter is i want to invite more people to the table i want to build that wider consensus because i think that's the only way that we can not only future proof ourselves as creators but kind of future proof the industry a little we got to kind of have to bring that diaspora of different readership all to the same table and so uh, i wanted to make it a point that we had something for every level of budget Hmm. So uh, even the $5 thank you tier, you get the first issue PDF of Spencer and Locke and the first issue PDF of going to the chapel. That's just as a thank you for rolling the dice on me. Uh, once you throw in $10, you get another 44 pages because now you get the OZ in the mix. Plus you get my script. That's just the digital stuff. We've got uh, four different covers that you can choose from. Uh, and if you decide you want to buy all four covers, you can get it for the price of three. And then we go up to sort of our, our, our more premier tiers. We've got um, a sketch card from Ruben Rojas with his original design of Dorothy. Uh, we've got even uh, some ultra-limited edition Spencer and Locke plushies. That's our sort of our premier tier right now. Uh, we had 10 of them made when the first volume came out as a thank you for my creative team. There are only two left in existence. And we are offering them to our readers as a little bit of comics history. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's so easy for comics to, to, to gatekeep, uh, whether it's in terms of content or in terms of budget or in terms of, uh, of general accessibility. And that's something that I really wanted to, 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 to fight against with the OZ. So no matter what your budget, we've got a place for you. Um, but, you know, if you decide you want to go higher, we've got, uh, you know, plenty more rewards in store for you as well. Awesome. David, uh, where can people check this out again? Obviously, yeah. Kickstarter, just search for The OZ and that's it. Yeah, You can also follow the book, uh, The OZ Comic, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can go to bit.ly slash The OZ Comic. It'll take you straight to our Kickstarter page. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at PeposD. It's my last name, first initial, or David mm -hmm. Pepos Comics on Facebook. Or you can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks at uh, bit.ly nice. <laughs> slash pep news. Uh, I tease all my projects on there. So if you want to get in on the ground floor for what I'm working on next, that's the place to sign up. Awesome. David, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck with the project. Not that you, you obviously need it, uh, but it looks great. And I'm excited to finally read it when it comes out. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Good luck, right, man. Thanks, you David. got it figured out. <laughs> Uh, David Peepos, check out uh, The OZ on Kickstarter. Very exciting. Good salesman, yeah. I gotta say. Killing like, it. Just yeah. really prepared. And that's, you know, that's sometimes that's the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I've never been that prepared, I don't think. 
No, I don't know what I'm going to say right now. Oh, wait, I do. I'm going to invite our next guest into the stream. Uh, There we go. He popped out for a second. Uh, But our next guest, you probably know him from his work on Too Much Coffee Man, which he has been known for for a very long time now. Uh, His upcoming project from IDW is The Mueller Report, the graphic novel. So we're going to get into it, y'all. Uh, this is exciting. Shannon Wheeler should be in the stream shortly to talk about all that stuff and also clarify whether it's a uh, Mueller or something else. Mueller. It's the Mueller. Mueller is it Mueller? Would you follow the news? There's a whole world out there. I, I only read. I only read the news. Shannon Wheeler, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on and continuing our Oz theme with Return of Oz. Shannon Wheeler, as in the Wheelers on Return of Oz. There we go. Yep. That's, that's what we call a theme show. We put it together once again. Yes. Uh, Shannon, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, of course, as we mentioned in the intro, you're very well known for Too Much Coffee Man, which you've been doing for a long time at this point and are still doing, which is amazing, uh, on and off a little bit. Yeah, it's whenever I feel like it. That's one of the pleasures of doing your own stuff is that I'm not doing it for somebody else. It's just when I feel like it, I do it. So. Well, let's talk about this new project, uh, which I'm really fascinated to talk about. Uh, this is the Mueller report, you said, Justin? Mm-hmm. Mueller? Yeah, that's okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there we go. I was pronouncing it wrong. Uh, the graphic yeah. novel, it's out 915 from IDW. You work with Steve Dewan on uh, writing it. So, what? Wow. Ooh, there we go. Nice. Is that reversed for you uh, on Zoom? No, like, no, no. Looks perfect. It's looking right. Okay, great, because it's reversed. It looks reversed to me. So, yeah, internet is weird, man. Uh, Steve Steve Dean is. um. (laughs) What was it like taking something like this and trying to distill it down to the graphic form? I mean, that's the most basic question, but uh, that had to be the first thing when you were trying to approach this. How do we make this into a graphic novel? Yeah, it's one reason that I I pulled uh, Steve in uh, to, to work with me on it. Is that it's overwhelming. There's it's a enormous um, tome of a book, <laughs> and you know you can just see. Yeah, so it's, it's really prioritizing and saying, okay, what makes it understandable, and what we try to do is find the scenes like uh, Chris Christie meeting with Trump and saying, here's a scene, and then the the Trump Tower meeting, and that's a scene, and then building up. Uh, Mueller's case around these kind of iconic scenes and, and making it work that way. So thinking of it as a narrative. I wish uh, you'd been able to release it back when um, Attorney General Barr uh, released his fucking letter. It would have been helpful <laughs> to have a, a nice graphic novel to slide out there as well. It, it would have. Um, yeah, I, we spent longer on it than we should have, but we really did throw everything that we had into it and we wanted to make it accurate and in-depth and understandable. So it's funny and readable, but we're really trying to hit at some um, some of the truths that, that were there. Well, to Justin's point, I mean, and I'll speak for myself, I, I did not read it originally. Like, I didn't read the report, but I certainly read summarizations of the findings and the Times and Washington Post and whatever else. And I think most people, that's how they experienced it. So what about you? Like, did you immediately say, oh, I got to read this and plumb through it and then think this is a graphic novel right here? Or did you start peeling through it and start peeling pieces once you finally started to put this project together? Um, A little bit of 
both. It was actually my editor at IDW, Justin, um, who called me up and said that he, he, I was thinking about it. And then he called up and said, Hey, we want to do this. And so those two things came together. But to be honest, I was just, I'd done uh, a book of Trump tweets and I was just sick of him and politics <laughs> and all of that. And so it was, it was a bit of a slog. It was, it was hard to say, I am going to do this and dive into it, which is one reason I pulled Steve in because I said, Steve, read this and, you know, highlight the, the good sexy scenes for me to look at afterwards. Um, so yeah. I let him do the real work. And then I ended up reading it twice and then listening to it <laughs> once. And then all the talk shows would endlessly, you know, Rachel Maddow gets into it. So, yeah, it's, it's a it's a nightmare. <laughs> it truly is a nightmare. Looking forward to seeing some George Papadopoulos popping off in there. Uh, Hilarious. Uh, um, so fun. Maybe one of the, uh, is that a scene in the book? If I can be mm-hmm. nerd out on the Mueller report. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, like I said, like we really did try to take this and make it interesting and funny. So the, and the characters are amazing. I mean, they're they're. I started to feel like these are real people like just idiots like me. It's not like they're the, you know, I'm not doing a comic book about Madame Curie or something like that. Who's working in the clouds. Like these are people that don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Really beginning to understand that that's a lot of the Trump uh, hirees are, are just idiots. What's one thing from, uh, from your work on it that you think is going to, that pops so much more that hasn't really been in the news. Something that like, People are going to be like, whoa. Um, I, you know, it's a churning sea of chaos is what Trump has created. And so every time I think, oh, this is going to be the moment. Um, I, I liked how we took the, the strategy that, that, you know, I don't know. It's Trump. It's uh, WikiLeaks. It's Russia. So the strategy of saying, here's a news bit and then overwhelming it with other news bits. So you have the Hollywood access tapes, which should have brought down anybody, but then have all the email releases at the same time um, to compete with the news. So that something that should be foremost in the news then gets overwhelmed by other pieces in the Mm. news. And that's just a constant strategy. And to illustrate that graphically and saying, here is this news piece, and then showing the emails coming out and having it fill and overlap and, and obstruct the actual news um, with sensationalism. I th- that was a bit that I liked. One of my that's favorite awesome. parts is Trump um, just at his desk saying, you know, I'm, I'm effed. And that it's just hilarious it's like this is real and then it's in the Mueller report too it's like you know page 98 or something it's like wait you know he's using the f-bomb in the Mueller report like what the (laughs) that's awesome and it's real i mean this is not it's you know what we did was the real stuff that's in the report we're not fictionalizing anything i mean you you talked about this a little bit earlier but it's I uh, sometimes, and maybe this is very particular to me, but I sometimes, when I'm very carefully walking around my neighborhood, think about what it would be like to see somebody walking with a shirt that says, it's Mueller time now, you know, (laughs) like how that would be kind of weird and maybe a little embarrassing. But this, 
on the other hand, this project feels like, even though we are very much in the now of it, that there's enough distance in a certain way. Is that is that something you feel? Do you feel like enough time has passed that people can revisit this, even though it is, technically speaking, a crazy shorter period of time? Yeah, there's there's a burnout. I mean, I think that's what you're saying. Uh, we're and but it, I I do believe that this is a historic document, and what Mueller did really did. It is a piece of history that I feel is important, and I don't think that the significance of it has really set in yet. But I think it will, and I see little bits of outrage pop up every now and again, and then. And then it'll be covered, and then it'll be referenced like, oh, this was actually in the Mueller report as well. Like the Rosenstein stuff, um, talking where it, it said this is what Mueller was limited to investigate. So he didn't look at the money. He didn't look at uh, it, it didn't look at criminal behavior as much as he could have. And people are now shocked that – but, you know, that's what Mueller – at the outset said, this is what I'm, this is what I'm investigating is what I'm limiting myself to. Um, But it's, yeah, I think it is really important and really interesting. And what it did is it really, to me, lifted up a rock and you got to see the mechanics of how a political team worked. Mm. And that, that is really a fascinating bit of information, kind of horrifying. Uh, this, is a, this is a relatively basic question, but a, a good one, I think, just to sort of give a base into who you are and what you do uh, over on YouTube. Uh, Agitato says, what was the motivation to mix politics and comics? <laughs> well, I think politics and comics have, have mixed since their outset. Uh, you know, you look at the early Mad Magazine and William Gaines. Um, all, all mad stuff was political. And I just see this being very much in the same spirit as early mad magazine. Where I also it, feel like political cartoons are such a thing and people like, mm-hmm. even now, like it's such a touchstone for a time and in history books, growing up high school, there's always political cartoons, but there's not long format versions of that. And that's why I'm so excited about this to be able to like, really look at something with a hum with a tinge of humor on it, even though it's, as you said, truly horrifying, I think is, it's the best way to digest stuff like this and really carry it with you. It, it's interesting that, that it's not as, it, it's not as complicated as it seems. I mean, the cast of characters, I think we had 70 or 80 people, but really you boil it down to 10 characters and you can understand the plot and having it in a comic book form really shows that simplicity. So you see, um, you just see Trump popping up again and again, or you see Trump's kids popping up and you're like, Oh, this is what they did. And it becomes a play. It's, it's Shakespearean, but simpler. Well, I joked about it earlier, but like, I do think there's so much value in simplifying something as complicated as this and making it like visually digestible. And then obviously understandable, like that is, this should be taught in schools. It's the kind of thing where like it felt so important at the time. And then it just got, lost so hard so something like this is i think really important well i'm hoping that it can become a little bit of a cautionary tale and say like this is hopefully not a template that we repeat and the biggest crime (laughs) that i see in in was uh was allowing for russia's influence and i know it starts to sound like a conspiracy theory to 
start yakking about Russia, but it's that's that's a when Mueller talked in front of Congress, that is the biggest concern that he had, and our founding fathers too said, "Hey, we've got this system. We need to do the best we can to not allow other governments to undermine it and um, and corrupt it." And so, yeah, I think it is really important to teach that in schools and to say, let's not have foreign interference. Well, bouncing off of what uh, Justin was saying as well, it's also, I think, important to put humor in those sort of things, because I always believe very strongly that you do something straight and it can drive away people that don't agree with you versus you put humor into it. They're laughing, which is a tacit agreement in a certain way. So mm-hmm. it it almost makes you more allowing to different viewpoints. Uh, that all said, was there something, w- were there any things in the book where you're like, you know what, this needs to be treated totally seriously versus this is something that I can really skewer or add in a couple of jokes in? Um, yeah, we, you know, the the humor, it's kind of gallows humor in a way where we weren't trying to put gags in. You know, we weren't trying to, occasionally a visual metaphor becomes a joke. So you have Trump, taking e pluribus unum and and putting the m so it's me pluribus unum you know so that that that's symbolic of him or representative of of his disregard of anything latin and <laughs> ego in in into place um but yeah and the the humor the situation like chris christie is a weirdo and so <laughs> yeah, you don't have to joke for Chris Christie, like he is, it's just there. A hundred percent. Is there, uh, when is this coming out again? This is coming out September 15th from yeah. IDW. Yeah. Okay. And how many pages is it? How big is the book? Oh. I mean, because the Mueller report, I feel like a blockage for some people would be like, oh, is this a 400 page comic? No, we did it. We did it short. So I think we did it around 170 pages. Um, and then, it's you know it's it's fairly you know fairly simple so you've got um we really tried to break it down to simplicity so to make it a really friendly book in a in a weird way so this is uh comey's dinner with trump um which is in there so yeah it it's fairly short and then at the back one of my favorite parts is getting into the timeline. So there's a good, you know, dozen pages of timeline, which boils it down. And then in the very back, you've got a cast of characters. Um, That's great. So, yeah, it, hopefully this, it, I think it's about an hour and a half read is what uh, somebody's wife or girlfriend clocked it in at. <laughs> nice. Uh, now that you've done the Trump tweets book and you've done this book, are you looking for a brain break? Or are you looking for something that's like no, no politics? Move whatsoever? to Benghazi. Let's get the Benghazi report. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I would love a break. I mean, what I'm wanting to do is there's a too much coffee man book that's I've been itching to do, and and so that I've been doing just on the side and posting to Twitter and stuff, little pages. Um, every now and again, but then I'm also working on a his, little historical book about growing up in Berkeley and, um, you know, like, you know, the, the, that expression of don't drink the Kool-Aid and mm-hmm. it coming from Jim Jones. So my mom took us to see Jim Jones when I was a kid and I want to write mm. about Jim Jones. And then later, uh, one of my landlords, uh, I had a, uh, 
Newton, uh, Huey Newton was my landlord. Um, and I was 19. And then my stepdad, I was talking to him and he's like, you know, is that Huey Newton? And I was like, yeah, yeah. What's the big deal? He goes, pay your rent on time. That's what he said. Um, Huey Newton was a leader of the Black Panther Party. So I had this <laughs> weird connection there. So, yeah, that, I want to write about some of that weirdness of growing up in the Bay Area. That's and, awesome. Like your own personal Forrest Gump uh, story. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully without some of the shortcomings, but probably more <laughs> – more shortcomings than I'd like to admit. Uh, but yeah, I want to do that. But I, again, I want to do it kind of funny and lighthearted and, and say, you know, oh, here's a mass suicide. Let's all, Let's all have a laugh. Yeah, I mean, that already sounds very funny to me. <laughs> uh, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show. It really was a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this book. Yeah, super uh, reading, excited for the book. Yeah, yeah I'm reading definitely it for the first time, actually. I'll, I'll read a graphic novel. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's an easy read, so don't be afraid of it. And um, yeah, and it should be funny. So I hope Alex, you like don't it. be afraid. <laughs> All right. I'm not afraid. Thank you. Don't be afraid. Thank, Alex. Thank you so much. You're for Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Have Shannon. So great. Awesome. Uh, again, that's the Mueller Report, the graphic novel from Mueller IDW. Report. Mueller Report. He's a Mueller. person. He's a God person. He's a human being. Uh, He's a, probably a fan of the show. He seems like a fun guy. Definitely a comic book reader. Robert I Mueller. love comics. That's, All I, I do know. now is read comics because <laughs> I'm a statue at this point. Uh, yeah, so uh, pick that up from IDW on nine fifteen, and now. We're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up to your audience questions. Audience questions. And for that, all you need to do is ask us a question about absolutely anything, and we will answer it. If you're over on Crowdcast, I see a couple of you have already done this. Drop them in to ask a question. If you're on the tube, just drop them in the comments yeah. section, and we'll answer some questions there. Uh, let's go over to it. Here we go. Uh, yeah, since uh, people keep popping in, Pete has poison ivy, and uh, unfortunately <laughs> had to go see the doctor. People to say asking. that without any explanation, it sounds like he just brushed up against a leaf, and it's like he has poison ivy. Yeah, he couldn't turn on his microphone. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I hope he's okay. It sounded really bad. Uh, but this is from Ben the Border Collie with release of the Kamala centric Avengers video game. I've been thinking about my favorite Avengers lineup. Mine is probably the recent one with Kamala, Miles, Jane Foster, and Cap Falcon. Y'all got any favorite lineups? Mm. Mm. Good question. Yeah, um, I think uh, the two that come to mind. One that I think never worked for me in the comics the way that it was executed, but I always liked the idea of was the Bendis New Avengers just trying to really like Justice League it up, you know, before the Marvel movies really hit. And that always seemed like a smart idea to me. Yeah, I was going to say that, too, because it's it was just so exciting to be like, look, and this is after like a long time of. Everybody sort of not really crossing over in that way. Uh, everyone sort of kept to their their books or there was like a two or three issue arc to be like, no, they all hang out all the time and they're all on the team together. That was super exciting. Even though it was like Spider-Man hangs out and goes <laughs> to space. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing. It never, it never really worked in practice, but we're justice league. You look at justice league and you're like, yes, it's super bad. It's Batman. It's wonder woman. These are icons before you had these movies. It was always like, 
Who's on this team? Black Knight? What's going on here? What, what is happening? Who are these people? So I love the idea of it, though it didn't work. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think I always have a soft spot for the Under Siege era Avengers, where it's like Hercules, and I think mm. I think Black Knight was on the team and everybody else. I, I like Black Knight. I, I like loved Black his jacket. He wore yeah. a cool jacket all the time. He did. Jacket Avengers is good Avengers. He must have been very cold. <laughs> <laughs> His sword did not keep him warm. Uh, but, uh, Ben, your your pick is pretty good, too. I like that. Uh, that is a good team as well. A uh, couple of questions over here on the tube. OG says, initial thought on Superboy Prime's brief cameo in Trinity Crisis. So this is uh, spoilers for folks out today. I mean, spoilers. I already said it out loud. Uh, for, for <laughs> Trinity Crisis out today. Uh, he also showed up in the last issue of Shazam, but Superman Prime is back in the universe. What do you think about that, Justin? Uh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on the stack, where um, I, I've i never been a big fan of Superboy Prime. He feels like just an asshole, but Superman. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I want a little bit more out of him. I know he has big cuffs. Uh, which is a cool uh, fashion choice. Um, so I don't know. I want him to be m- a little more interesting or have more of a plan, I guess, or something that makes him a little bit different than mm-hmm. sh- when he shows up in uh, Shazam and in Trinity Crisis. He's sort of like, guess what? It shit's fucked up again. And it's like, oh, okay, I see you're just being a dick. I might be misremembering this, but I believe he was he was the Superboy from Earth Prime, right? Where he was basically like a huge comic book fan. He was the only person, uh, only hero there. Uh, and then he got shunted to this universe, to the DC universe, and got driven insane by being imprisoned. And I love the initial idea of him basically being a evil asshole Gwenpool where it's like, yeah. he knows everything about the DC universe and is just an asshole teen dick about it. But I think we've gotten too far from that in a certain way, at least in his recent appearances. So I agree with you there, uh, but there's, I do, I do have, a, I do enjoy the initial conception to the character. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, cool. Let's move to one over here. This is from uh, Joe crack. What are your feelings on Hollywood seeming cowardice? To make a Batman movie with Robin and his young teen sidekick that openly has fun fighting crime, this is uh, Batman and Robin erasure, and I won't stand for it. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, I, I mean, I I agree. Uh, like, I don't know if I I need a Robin, but I need a different take on Batman. Of uh, a Batman with some sort of fun. It doesn't have to be like a funny Batman. I don't. I don't. I don't want to see Batman and Robin again. Uh, I just want something that is a little bit of a different take than all darkness all the time that we've gotten. Yeah. Uh, Kevin over here in the comments says it's hard to call Chris O'Donnell a young teen. It's not. I can do it if I want to. I'd be wrong. Uh, but I wow. agree with you. I think it would be nice to see like a more Batman the Animated Series take. And I think we're going to get that. You know, the way that entertainment works is people like... Uh, Kids, I don't know. I was going to say kids growing up. People, kids, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Alex is really. uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) I think so. so, I would say uh, there's that guy, Jay Oliva, who directs most of the animated movies. And I think he's the kid who grew up watching Batman, the animated series. and was like, I want to do that. 
And he just needs that chance, like Dave Filoni on Star Wars, to go and do the live action stuff. And I think he'll kill it. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that'll ever happen, but I feel like that would be the way we would get that potentially. Mm. Uh, let's move over to the tube again uh, from Ramsey Hassan. What TV show would you like back on streaming? Because it's a shame Deadly Class isn't on any streaming sites in the U.S. Mm. I agree. Good call. Yeah, I didn't know that. Is there anything that's not on streaming that like you have a hankering for? Well, just for a second on Deadly Class, it's so funny. We watched that show so intently and loved it, and it's it's just gone. Like it felt like such a blip in our lives of just like Deadly Class, and then it's gone. Like uh, it's too bad. It's weird too because it feels like the sort of thing. I mean, since it's sci-fi, it's NBC Universal, so it's an easy thing to just throw it on Peacock. You know, but I don't know if there's music rights or something like that that's preventing them from doing that. Probably because they did use a lot of uh, good music in that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to sound like too much like an old fogey, but that is one of the problems that people bring up with streaming versus physical media is like there's just stuff that's gone that's just not there, that's not going to exist anywhere. This is a very stupid example, but I only think of this because we wrote something up at work recently. Uh, that 70s show completely disappeared from Netflix, and now it's nowhere, <laughs> which is wild, given that, that that was one of the biggest shows on Netflix for years that yeah. people just kept watching and watching. And what a superhero show. Like, a lot mm -hmm. of really uh, powerful uh, heroes there. They got bit by Hanging Out Man uh, when they were down the street. <laughs> the same old yeah. thing they did last week, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was their, their roundtable is when they all got real high. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that... Uh, I feel like I'm drowning in current television, so I haven't really mm -hmm. been like, what do I need to go back and rewatch right. that is I the cape Is the cape on streaming? That's I think something... it is, actually. I feel like that's something I hear you say every couple of weeks. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you pushing? I did. We were talking about other podcasts we could do. And I looked that up and it was on all of it. It was on NBC.com. And I think I said you and Peter Debo being like the Cape. It's all available. We could do it. Cape cast. Yeah. Cape cast. Uh, what about heroes? Uh, heroes? Save, save the cheerleader, uh, save the world. <laughs> get that off of <laughs> Please. Jesus Christ. Do you remember when Jeff Loeb gave us t-shirts for heroes? Yeah, and we gave him right back. Yes, we did. <laughs> Threw him right back in his face. Uh, here we nah. go. Uh, another one for Ben the Border Collie. Who has the worst case of poison ivy, Pete or Kite Man? Oh, Ooh, uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> Shots I've been, fired. I've been watching Harley Quinn. Uh, oh, yeah? HBO Max, really enjoying it. Very good show. I'm uh, most of the way through the first season. Surprisingly good, right? Yeah, it's very good. It's very yeah. fun. Um, I'm working on a show now, um, with, uh, Ron Funches on it. So it's great to, uh, see, hear him and then also see him at the same time. He is everywhere. He is in oh, everything right now. Truly. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think we've answered the question. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, worst case of poison ivy, probably kite man, but we haven't heard Pete since he said he was going to the doctor. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he has poison ivy under his eyelids, so that's probably worse, right? <laughs> oh, that's a guess. I don't know if that's true. I don't uh, know if that's true. Oh, man, that's real bad. Uh, wow, we have lots of uh, stuff here. I'm going to scan through it really quickly. This is from Agitato. If, another poison ivy question. Uh, if you were allergic to poison ivy, would you still hook up with her? Even if all of your parts got rashes, I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have a pretty um, light. I have a very light version of poison ivy allergy. I've right. never had it bad, and I'm around it right. all the time. I'm a country. I haven't gotten it in years, but when I was a kid, we did have poison ivy in our backyard and our front yard. And if I got close to it, I would get rashes from the poison ivy. Like I got it through the air, not even touching the poison ivy. Yes. Um, so but you're answer, a sensitive. You're a sensitive child and man. Exactly. Yes, I was a very sweet little boy. <laughs> Darling boy, only allowed outside every other Sunday. Yeah, and I guess the answer to your question is I'm married. Uh, this is to Beercat HD. <laughs> if you were going to bail your super buddy out of jail, what soda would you greet them with? Great question. This is, of course, mm-hmm. tying into The Boys. If you haven't watched The Boys Season 2, uh, Fresca plays a big part. I will mention, uh, not to blow up our spot too much, but one of the things that we do at work uh, is I spend not a lot of time, but I spend some time looking through Google Trends and figuring out what people are searching for to help guide our stories. And the number one trend all weekend long that people were searching for out of the first three episodes of The Boys was Fresca. Wow. Like, just what is Fresca? Is what it is it? People don't well, know what it is? Just searching for it. There were other things they were looking for. There was also a lot of confusion about uh, whether the whole season was three episodes long, but it was mainly Fresco was the main trend people <laughs> were trying to figure out all weekend long. Uh, so what soda, to get back to the question, uh, what soda would you greet your bail buddy with? I'm going to throw this out, um, and it's uh, a, a soda that maybe doesn't exist in normal places, but uh, what it's called Wink. Ooh. Have you ever had Wink? Has no. anyone had Wink? It's like a it's like a grapefruit soda, Wink, uh, and it, uh, there's also a uh, soda in upstate New York called Citrus Frost, which Ooh. is also a grapefruit flavored soda. Uh, the grapefruit uh, Haritos is uh, is also very good. I I don't know why it's only about grapefruit stuff, but there's a uh, soda called Ting. Yes, which yes. Come, uh, from I think I don't know if it's specifically from Jamaica. It might yes, be from Jamaica. That is uh, correct. But oh my god, it is so good. Wink, and, is, wink is I think a ripoff of Ting. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> and I feel like we're we're are we Pokemon or we're speaking in a language that I don't I don't think we ting, quite understand. Ting, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Why is it that grapefruit wink. soda isn't more popular? I feel like everybody's like I love grapefruit soda. I feel like it should be more popular. But one hundred percent agree. Yeah, there we go. Uh, got a question here over on the tube. Nelson Martinez wants to know, uh, have you guys watched anything on HBO Max? If so, what would you recommend? I'm enjoying the new Looney Tunes. Don't get us started because Alex is like a hater. Max sucks. He's a hater on HBO Max, and uh, I've been watching a ton of stuff um, yeah. on HBO Max. I've been watching Harley Quinn. I've been watching um, Rick and Morty. I've been watching um, The Sopranos. Um, I've been watching. Uh, I'm very excited to watch the new uh, Ridley Scott show. Yeah. Oh, I was wondering if you had started yet. I want to talk about it. Uh, this I, is. I have not. I I will say that is the thing that like raised by wolves, which is the new show they've debuted three episodes so far, and I think this week is episode four and five. They're doing a weird release schedule on it. Uh, it is the first must-watch show, original show on Aero Back. It is completely... The way that I... The thing that immediately occurred to me is it's like, if you saw Prometheus and you were disappointed in Prometheus like I was, because I love the Alien series, 
it is what you wanted out of Prometheus, but didn't get like almost to a T mm. where it's just Ridley Scott, weird landscapes, very 70s sci-fi uh, without getting too much of spoilers. Like there's androids that trip milk. There's weird creatures. There's just like just a feeling of horror and dread onto the entire thing. He directs the first two episodes and those are, Definitely the best ones, but uh, I've watched through eight at this point, and uh, seven and eight are like the ones where it feels like it's spinning its wheels a little bit, but at least through six, it's awesome, and I can't recommend it uh, highly enough. It's so good. Very excited. Um, and to jump back to the soda conversation, the comments are blowing up with uh, soda chat. Um, cheer wine is something people are talking about, and let me throw out, is it like Moxie? Because that's another soda I really like, which is based on a root, the gentian root. Oh, yeah. Cheerwine bad. Who is somebody? I haven't been watching this. Did somebody say Cheerwine is good? I know it's like a classic thing people drink, but it's gross. Oh, Kevin said Cheerwine is wonderful. I'm sorry, Kevin, you're wrong. Moxie soda. Good stuff. From Maine. Vacation land. Uh, other stuff on HBO Max. Uh, my kids have been watching nonstop uh, Steven Universe and Adventure Time on a loop. My Adventure son actually time. goes back and forth. So that's great that they have all of that. Uh, so the animated stuff is good. Um, I I get frustrated, to be clear, and I'm sure everybody's wondering about this. I get frustrated about HBO Max as a business model, but there's a lot of great yeah. content on there. That's it. I, I, won't, I won't say anymore. Cool, cool. And here yeah. are the networks as a business model. I just <laughs> there's a lot. There's a couple of them. Spectrum as a network. <laughs> okay, Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, no, no, I gotta. This is a breaking uh, topic that I gotta talk about because <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Completely missed this. Uh, guess who's commenting on YouTube right now? Pete LePage. Of course he is. That motherfucker. Pete, Saying uh, he wants to stream a team. He also somebody asked him about his poison. He said it's so. Wait, no. Wait, is he doing it's a separate a, show in the comments? He's like doing a show in the comments right now. What is going on, Pete? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Sign into Crowdcast, you coward. Crowdcast. Now he's talking about like Tahitian treat. He's talking about sodas. Pete, if you're well enough to talk in the comments, you're well enough to be on the show, man. Oh, no, he's just saying, the tube is on. (laughs) Oh, my God. He's the kind of guy, we're at his funeral, and he shows up (laughs) in the crowd, and he's like, hey, you idiots, who's talking about Mountain Dew Code Black? Here I am. (laughs) Sure. Oh, my God. Uh, Just so you know, Crowdcast fam is mad at you. (laughs) Yeah, Pete, Crowdcast is very mad at you, and they don't like you anymore. All right, uh, this is from Kevin. What's a title you'd most like to see a child version of in the vein of Tiny Titans? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I feel like they've done a lot of them. Like there was, if you watch the Lego stuff in particular, it's almost like there's little Avengers, little Justice League, and everything. Uh, Tiny Poison Ivy from uh, I guess David Peoples. Tiny Darkhold Redeemers. Yep. Uh, Tiny Darkhawk. (laughs) Tiny Darkhawk. Oh, very. Tiny Punisher. He shoots a candy gun. A tiny Galactus, and he's just regular sized. Oh man, but I would very like to hungry. see 
I mean, totally seriously, just mentioning Teddy Galactus, I would love to see Marvel do an animated version of Scott Young's Little Marvel stuff, because that's great, and the designs are great, and I think that would be a lot of fun. Truly, yes. Uh, over on the tube, by the way, update on Pete. He says, in too much pain to be on, so itchy, look insane. Uh, but Ramsey Hassan says, what's your POV on podcast adaptation of the comics, e.g. The Sandman? I'm not a fan. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I haven't, uh, I listened to about 40 seconds of the Wolverine podcast that was released. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say, cause it actually, the sound design was really cool. That's what I'm very into. Like when it's really produced well, so I'm not uh, fully against it. Um, I'm curious. Sandman is such a, I feel like they're leading into the literary nature of Sandman. They're like, look, it's like a book on tape. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope they just do that and really, really sound design the shit out of it. Yeah, I I had the same experience with the Wolverine podcast uh, where I was like, oh, this is good. And then I got distracted with something else. I think if we were in driving culture, like if I drove, maybe I'd be more into listening to some sort of narrative pod- podcast like that. But as is, it's just not necessarily something I can get into. But the cast is great, and I think that's really cool. Um, I'm definitely curious to check it out. But we didn't really talk about this after DC Phantom. I'm way more curious to check out what's going on with the Netflix adaptation now, because I don't know if you heard, Justin, uh, Neil Gaiman talked about it a teeny tiny little bit. And the main thing that he said is that versus the comic and the audiobook, which are both set in the time period they were written, this one starts at the same place, which I believe is 1916, but then the bulk of the action happens now. Yeah, that's is, exciting. Yeah. I'm um, very curious to see what he does. Yeah, I feel like there's so much opportunity there, and it makes it a new thing as opposed to just a direct adaptation of something we've all read before. Yeah. Well, like, even... I wonder about the look of Morpheus, right? Because like Morpheus is very eighties, nineties in terms of his look. Yeah. Do you update him? So I mean, ends up. How can you update Morpheus? I don't know. Like he, and I mean, he is eighties and nineties, but also like that's sort of now. It's sort of also now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to get anybody to play Morpheus, though, it just has to be Neil Gaiman because he is Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, this is from uh, Pablo. Are you guys looking forward to DC Fandom this weekend? Pablo, that was weeks ago. We <laughs> talked about that. Come on. No, there's a, there's a second round of DC Fandom is coming up this weekend called Enter the Multiverse, I think. Um, the previous one was Hall of Heroes. Basically what this is, if you've been paying attention to what's been going on with DC Fandom at all, is the previous one was supposed to be this big virtual event. It ended up being... I say just, but just eight hour long video that you watched with a bunch of presentations. This one is going to be everything else that they were going to show, but it's all going to be on demand. So no virtual islands or anything like that, uh, but hundreds of hours of paddles and things on demand. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Enter the dome. Are you yeah, going to be the uh, doing the whole living the dome? Are you going to be in the dome? Are you moving your family? Are you moving? Are you moving your family into the dump? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the things that I'm uh, kind of excited about. I'm, I'm curious 
to see because I feel like there was like lightning in a bottle with that first thing where it was just eight hours and it concentrated everybody's attention on it. So everybody was tweeting and watching it all the day long and the top tier movie stuff that everybody was talking about here. There's some really interesting panels, I think across the board, but I don't, I feel like it's going to be the same thing at Comic-Con where it was like, yeah, what I go to the Batman panel. Oh, there are comics here. Right. You know, um, but like there's a blurred and bougie house where they have a bunch of uh, a ton of paddles about uh, people of color throughout comics and TV and animation and other things that look really cool. Uh, one thing that I'm actually really curious to check out is they're putting up the EPKs from all the CW shows. So those are like the five or six minute presentations where they sold the flash sold Supergirl. So to arrow and everything else, which sounds neat to me. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. There's a bunch of cool things on there. Uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I hope you don't mind a little plug, Justin. Uh, I, I did, love a plug. Uh, okay. I, I did host deep. a panel. I hosted yeah. a panel that's going to be on there. Uh, it's the oh. stunts panel. Uh, so I got to talk to a bunch of awesome stunt artists who worked on various DC properties, which was very cool. Um it was hard to keep track of them. There were like six of them there, uh, but it was neat to talk to them. So if you do want to check that out, I don't know what it ended up like because they edited it down, uh, but uh, they were great, even if I wasn't great. So there you go. Even if you weren't great? Alex, were you know. great? I don't uh, know. If you're going to plug, I want to hear. A, I want this plug to be about you. I don't want to hear about the project. I want to hear a plug it's about It's weird. You. So we talked for like an hour. They cut it down to 20 minutes. I talked for 20 minutes, but I have to assume it was 20 minutes of me talking and saying, well, that's all the time we had. Uh, that's all the time we had. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. It just should be interesting to see whether people are talking about it in the same way. And I think... Not to belabor this too much, but I think it's going to suffer from the same problem as Comic-Con at home, where it was like, people can watch it whenever, at whatever pace they want. So you're not going to get people all engaged in the same way at the same time, which potentially will hurt it. Mm. Are you planning on checking thing, uh, Justin, or... I uh, know I'm gonna. I'm in a couple other domes. Uh, oh, okay. I'm in a couple other domes that weekend. Uh, week. Very cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm all domed up. Busy dome schedule for old oh, JT. Nice. The Sizzle Dome. Okay. A lot of people are coming over to the Sizzle Dome. Yeah. Uh, we got uh, two more uh, questions here. One from Pablo Der Martinez again. Uh, no time to die. Had a great second trailer. Any favorite Bond movies? Ooh, good one. Uh, oh, my gosh. What's, it's not Spectre. It's not Quantum of Solace. It's not Casino Royale. It's the other Daniel Craig movie. It's um, named, after, named after his Skyfall. house. Skyfall. Yeah. Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie. Interesting. Uh, of the new ones, Casino Royale, I think, is the best. Very fun movie. Um, everyone first... loves Quantum of Solace, right? Which is like the deleted <laughs> scenes from Casino Royale. <laughs> Uh, I uh, Casino Royale is great, but I feel like the last third or so it sort of starts to fizzle out a little bit. It's just not as strong. Uh, but Skyfall is like a, a gorgeous movie, like just beautiful yeah. movie to look at, and the intensity of it, the action of it, the fact that like they just completely switched it up and gave Bond an actual plot and stakes is great. That that's 
I've watched every Bond movie, honestly. Like, that's one of my, like, yeah, sure, that's fun. That's a fun movie. But the fact yeah. that they amped it up so much with that one was so impressive to me. Of the old ones, when I was a kid, I really loved Diamonds Are Forever, I think, uh, which is a sort of a weird one. Um, I don't know why. I'm trying to remember. I feel like I watched weirdly the Pierce Brosnan ones more just because I think they were coming out at the right time. Those were the first ones I watched. And then I went back and watched the Sean Connery and everything. I think uh, I watched the, the movie Goldeneye once, but I played the Super Nin- uh, the yes, N64 game for a thousand, thousand more hours than that. <laughs> Best video game of all time. It's so good. I mean, I will yeah. say Perfect Dark very much supplanted uh, Goldeneye in my life, but man, what yeah. a time. Oh, such a good game. The amount of slaps I've given is shocking. Yeah. Great. Uh, last question here from Joe. Alex, if it was called Warner Brothers Max, would you be as upset with the business model? The answer is no. I would not. I know. You're so, you're so precious about HBO. You're precious. I am. I am. It's a storied Brad with a history behind it. Nothing is from precious. From Tales no. from the Crypt uh, and kiss, Dream On kiss the Queen to The Sopranos start. to True Blood. To kiss, Game of Thrones, kiss over the decades, the crown Alex just trying to <laughs> placate the majesty of HBO. I've said this; they should call it the WB. Brought back Michigan J. Frog. Also horrible. Hello, my like Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal. They could have done one of those promos. <laughs> Let me throw this out there. There's yeah. a lot of frogs in our lives and world, oh, both always. entertainment and in real life. There's a lot of just like living frogs. Michigan J. Frog is the worst frog. <laughs> what? Worse than all frogs on Earth. Oh, man, that's crazy. There are frog. definitely worse frogs. I'm not thinking of one right now, but there are definitely worse frogs. Come up with it, dude. And all I, right, I'm folks. A- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was going to say that's it for our audience questions. Now, normally we would go to trivia, except Pete is just trolling in the comments over on YouTube. Uh, we did say we were going to do trivia for YouTube. I know this could be out of delay, but Pete, could you comment there and let us know if you can do trivia in the YouTube comments or if the Poison Ivy has knocked you down? If not, we'll still do something. Yeah, uh, I could Pete. make up some trivia. I <laughs> could make Hassan up some trivia. Pete for first hand up guy. I like that. Wow. Yeah, bring, let's bring Pete into the stream to do some trivia. I'll make some trivia up in the style of Pete. Oh, Pete's going to do trivia. Pete is going to. Wow. Pete is going to go for trivia. That's this is the stupidest thing we've ever done. <laughs> oh, you you mean have a non-verbal trivia in the comment section of an unrelated uh, <laughs> with stream? one of our hosts? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's like when we would do um, uh, cover Comic Con from the Skybox, and Pete would just roll around the floor. <laughs> That's what's happening here. Oh yeah, he's our floor correspondent right now. Uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to just throw out a question to the YouTube comments? Me? Yeah. How, how about this? So Why don't we do it this way? You throw out a trivia question to the YouTube comments. First person in the YouTube comments that answers it. Gets a twenty five dollar gift card to Midtown Comics. How does that work? That's that's great. Well, uh, and this uh, question, as always, is on uh, tropical comic news. It's on sure. tropical comic news. Um, uh, if uh, Wood Island 
would Krakoa want to really settle down with? As we know, Krakoa, very sexual island, fucking other islands. But what, what island do you think in our, on our planet Earth would Krakoa want to settle down with and raise a little archipelago? Um, uh, it's not archipelago? Throwing, archipelago, maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, I think I it a lot this episode. A, a, B, a, B, and C? Or, uh, or is it just open-ended? Ooh, I don't know. However you want to do it. Um, let's do uh, A, um, Long Island. Okay. Uh, B, um, uh, Oahu. And C, okay. Robin Williams. C is Robin Ooh. Williams. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, again, for YouTube, uh, Pete LePage says Bora Bora. Uh, <laughs> C.T. Cook says fucking island. Well, I've never uh, been OG there. Says, OG says Fiji. Was that one of the choices? No. Oh, oh Agitato says, I pick eight. I pick A. Excuse me. <laughs> a, a is the correct answer. It's Long Island. That's wow. a very... Wow. Congrats to Agitato. Congrats. Here, I'll type uh, congrats to Agitato. Pete, get better. Uh, so Agitato, shoot us an email, comicbookclublive at gmail.com. You're going to get a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Now, we always have a secret quiz in the third answer. Um, your third answer, of course, was Robin Williams. Which movie were you referring to, Justin? Uh, the movie I was uh, referring to with Robin Williams in it? Yeah. It's an answer. And I don't. it's a movie that I don't think Pete has uh, covered yet. Sure. Um, it's a movie we talk about a lot on this show. Um, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. <laughs> All right. Good one. Nice. Well, Mrs. Doubtfire is covered, so Pete can't cover it again. That's true. Folks, tomorrow is New Comics Book Day. We recommend you go to Midtown Comics or not at all, actually. <laughs> Just don't go to any comic book <laughs> shop. Stay home. Pilot. I'm sorry. Uh, what are you looking forward to, Justin, that is coming out tomorrow? Um, I'm looking forward to... Um, there's an Ice Cream Man uh, Quarantine Comics uh, volume coming out tomorrow that I'm very excited to check out. Um, Ice Cream Man, we love that. And this is a collection of the quarantine comics they've been doing. Very excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have a review of that on the Stack Podcast. That is in the Comic Book Club feed. And also in its own Stack feed, 9 a.m. Wednesday mornings. I'm looking forward to Bill and Ted are doomed, number one. Mm. But not just by Bill and Ted, but also because it's written by Evan Dorgan and art by Roger, Roger Langridge who uh, that's great. I love both of those guys. So I'm very excited to check that one out as well. I think that's going to be very cool. Oh, we, All have right, a, folks. we have a question before we go. What oh, are we yeah. drinking? What are we drinking? Oh yeah. We forgot. Uh, what, what are you having? I had some wine and I'm going with my local favorite when I'm out in the country, a little bit of Labatt's blue. Nice. Uh, I picked up a threes brewing logical conclusion. Ooh, that's pretty good. It's nice. It's very light. That is a logical conclusion. There you go. Uh, Folks, that is it for our live show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Here we go. Oh, wait. I got it. Okay, there we go. Sound cue. That's right. (laughs) 
couple of people to thank before we go. I want to thank our amazing guests for being on the show tonight. Uh, you can check out David Pipo's The OZ on Kickstarter. Shannon Wheeler, The Mueller Report, Mueller Report, excuse me, I got it. The graphic novel is out 9.15 from IDW, so check that out. Next week on the show, Sean Chen is going to be here talking about Woman Compendium of an Artist's First Writing Experience, and maybe a couple of other folks, so stay tuned for that. A couple of things to plug out our and our boys podcast. Let's hear it for the boys is back. We have three episodes from season two up right now. Also, Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy podcast is paused for a couple of weeks, but we're going to be coming back with that real soon too as we continue to plug our way through season one. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next week, see you next time. Get that uh, aloe on that poison ivy peak. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.